the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. We're all about delivering great content, thoughtful discussions, and tips and tricks to help you truly get the most out of your life and business. And here's your charismatic host, me, Matt Brown. Hey, so welcome to another episode of the Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. Um, I'm your host, Matt Browning, sitting with producer Jeremy Nunez. What's going on, buddy? How's it going? Dude, really good. We are, uh, what day is it now? It's Thursday, actually. So we're starting to get, like, we're in the place right now with this podcast where we are, like, filming and recording on the day it's got to drop that night. So it's funny that I started off with a bunch in the bag. We were ready to go. And uh, it's been quite a learning experience, you know, a really uh, a learning grade to get <laughs> to get this whole thing figured out. Um, and more and more things are being figured out as we do this. So I'm excited about what's coming up. Um, last week, I was on vacation with my family in Tahoe. So we plopped in on Thursday, uh, or the Friday show, I guess, is when you get it. Um, one of the, A really cool bonus episode we did. Um, there was a, a previous Monday. So we threw that in there for you. I th- hope that was really good. We talked about um, we did one on confidence recently. What was the other one we did recently? Uh, the first part on sales. First part on sales. Well, we're going to continue that right now. <coughs> Correct. Right? Um, and it's just been it's been a lot of fun. So let's just jump into what this episode is going to be about. So la- uh, two weeks ago, we did an episode of part one of three on sales. And I talked a lot about like the sales process, um, just the whole like psychology around sales and and bundling together value for the right prices and that kind of a thing. So think of part one as the the pre-frame for having a good sales conversation. This week, we're going to talk about the actual sales conversation itself. When you sit down with a prospect, one-on-one, one-to-many is a little bit different. We might discuss that later if you're interested in that. You can you know tweet me or Facebook me at Matt Browning. Let me know if you have any interest in sales to groups like on stage or webinars or things like that. Uh, but for this week, we're going to really focus on one-on-one sales because that's where most of this applies. Um, and then you can take it and move it to other scenarios. Or we're going to go through like essentially like from the moment you sit down either on the phone or in person to say hello and, hey, we know this is going to be some kind of a sales type conversation all the way till, you know, here's my credit card and here's my check. What does that whole process look like? And my perspective that I'm going to bring is a NLP perspective. And what that means is it's it's not just what I do, although I'm going to put a lot of my own opinions into it, because um, I, I, at this point in my career, I have sold millions of dollars in, in trainings and coaching, um, I have years of real estate experience. So I've been really doing sales since I was 18. So, oh, my God. Jeremy, I've been doing sales for 20 years. Nice. That's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. So with 20 years of sales and doing multi-million dollars in sales and different contracts, um, I'm going to bring my opinions into it. But I want you to know that it's more than just me because you might be listening to this thinking, okay, I still don't really know who you are or you you haven't listened to me that long. Um, So I want you to know that when I bring in the NLP perspective, what it means is we're talking about modeling the best salespeople in the world. So in the field of NLP, one of the things that the early pioneers did, that's my timer, I'll turn that off. (laughs) I set a timer for three minutes to make sure I wouldn't go too long on the intro, and here we are. Anyways, um, so I, uh, we looked at some of the, the early pioneers in NLP, looked at the greatest salespeople in the world, and not so much the things that they said, because sometimes it was corny, you know? When somebody says, so, would you like to sign with a blue or the black pen? And, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not talking about that. This isn't about manipulation, about using just the right words and and... and you know, say the price and then don't say another word and sit back and look at them with a determined look in your eye like the rock, you know, like, like you don't need to do that. You just, we're going to talk about how to have a conversation that leads to a sale and somebody being excited about it. And it becomes a win-win, obviously, for both people. 
in the NLP place, it was all about modeling the patterns under the surface. So, and Jeremy, you know this, it's, it's, I always talk about it's never about the things you say or the things you do on the surface. It's always about the pattern that's like the, the common string between all the professionals. So when I teach speaking, it's about what are the patterns that the best speakers follow. When we teach sales, it's what are the patterns that the best salespeople follow. So that's what we're going to get into right now. I'm going to share a really simple five-step sales process, five steps that we discovered in the field of NLP. Um, if you have heard of the five-step sales process in NLP before, I promise you we're going to bring a new light to it, and, and again, through our experience and opinions. If you've never heard that before, we'll buckle in, get ready for a, a ride on the sales train. Let's get going. Man, I am so corny today. All right, let's get into the content. So you know you need to sell. You know that money is the backbone of your business. You know that if you don't make this sell sale, you might not even eat. And yet, what do we do, right? Whether it's, it's your thousandth sale and you're trying to like get the new yacht or it's your first sale ever and you're trying to prove that your concept even works, sales has this weird stigma that can make us so uncomfortable, so confused, um, I think a lot of a lot of people we, we act differently when it comes to even the word sales, right? And I want to take it just a minute and kind of talk about this concept in the first place to make sure we really resonate. So for me, I've been through a lot of different phases as a salesperson. I went through a phase where I was like, I'm not a salesperson at all, right? All I do is I just help people achieve their results and their desired outcomes. And, and then I was like, gosh, I found I feel like I feel like a salesperson who's trying not to be a salesperson, and I don't want to call myself that. And then I went through a period of time when I didn't do a lot of sales because I was really caring, and um, and then I lost a lot of sales, right? So people weren't signing up, and and everyone loved me, but no one bought anything from me. So if that's you, I promise you there's hope. You can still be caring and loving and be a good human um, and make sales. And then, But one of the things I did in, in my past is I saw that and was like, oh, this is stupid, so I, I, I should change that. Uh, so I became this like kind of aggressive salesperson, and I'd like talk to people, and basically I wouldn't let them out of my sights until they said yes. And I'd be sitting in the seminar hallway, you know, outside of the hotel for like two hours. I remember one time I was in Adelaide, Australia, and I'm, I remember this distinctly. I'm sitting with this person, and looking back, I knew that like they weren't, they weren't really convinced. They kind of wanted it. I knew it would be good for them if they did the program, but they just, I don't know, like they weren't really ready for it in whatever reason. And I, it's hard to say because I don't think I was, I don't feel like I was manipulating, but I do feel like I was being aggressive, right? I was being really maybe assertive, mm -hmm. but probably aggressive. And so he's like, well, I just maybe, you know, right now I just feel so busy in life. Maybe now's not the time. I'm like, well, what do you need to do specifically? And I just, everything he said, I had, I had a response for and nobody likes that kind of salesperson either. Now, here's the cool thing. When I started acting like that, I got a lot more sales. Yay! I also had a lot more returns, which happens a lot, right? Because people buy, because not because they really want to, but because they feel pressured a little bit. And you've probably been in that situation too, um, where you just want to get the heck out of there, but you don't feel like the salesperson will let you. And, and, you know, and then at the end, you're like, you're just frustrated. Um, I, remember, I think I, I told you this, Jeremy. I was sitting, uh, did you hear my story about going to Nissan of Tustin? Uh, I think so. Maybe, yeah, right? Maybe. So it was probably, it was a few years ago. And, and, and like, when, whenever I plug something, usually, like, I'm going to either plug it positively or leave it anonymous. But this time, man, I'm sure they have new salespeople now, but Nissan of Tustin, you guys sucked. <laughs> it, it wasn't good at all, you know? I walked in, and I counted the times I said no after I test drove this truck, and I said no 23 times. 
individual times. I said, no, I, I don't think I'm, I'm ready to do that. I'm, this is what I really need. I want to know more information. He said, okay, I'll be right back. He went back to his sales manager, came back again, said, well, I talked to him. What if we could drop it $1,000? And I'm like, and what happened is we were having two different conversations. He was trying to close me on buying a truck. I was trying to get information to, dis- to decide what kind of vehicle I really wanted. And we were just way off base. And by the end, I finally, because he held my, my trade-in um, appraisal keys for ransom, so he finally got my keys back for me after my 23rd no. And I was like, dude, look, I don't even know what to tell you anymore. And I told everybody I could. And again, I'm not a bad news kind of guy, right? You know me. Totally. But like, I told everybody I could, essentially, whenever someone asked about a car, I'm like, go anywhere. Just don't go to Toyota. Or Sorry, Toyota's great. Don't go to um, Nissan and Tustin. Now, for their sake, I'm sure that salesperson's not there anymore. But I don't know that it was just the salesperson. What I felt was it was a psychology probably coming down from the GSM, which is usually how it works, right? They said, this is how you're supposed to do it. So my point of the stories is this. You don't want to be the jerk salesperson. I know you. If you're listening to this, that's not who you are. But you also don't want to be the pushover salesperson. So I'm going to walk through what the five steps are um, to really have a genuine good sales conversation that goes somewhere. And I hope you get something out of it. I hope it makes sense. And if you're already a killer salesperson, you'll probably at least pick up a few nuggets and distinctions about how to tweak how you do your presentations and how you do those. So the first thing is this. Get rid of the idea of a presentation and turn it into a conversation. If you're having a presentation, you've already lost them, right? Okay, so let me explain to you all about our products. Like, do they really care? Probably not, right? Uh, So turn it into a conversation. So what I mean by that is the first step is always rapport and trust. And again, it's funny, as I start teaching about this, Jeremy, I keep thinking like, okay, well, this is obvious, that's obvious. And I realize that it might not be obvious because, again, you might be listening to it and you've never sold a thing in your life. Um, But for the seasoned pros, you're like, of course, I know, build trust, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason why we go over that first step so much is because it gets missed so often. I cannot tell you how many times I walk past in a Starbucks or something and I see somebody doing a network marketing presentation and they just lost them from minute one. And I watch them with their, with their laptop here and they're like, okay, and then here's the opportunity and the ground floor and this is this. And then if you get three people and they're, they're describing the thing and maybe it's a great business, but I watch the other person and their eyes are glazed over and there's no rapport. There's no trust. One person's leaning in, the other person's leaning out, right? So from an NLP perspective, rapport is what we call a condition of responsiveness. It doesn't mean you like them, but it feels as if you like them. And we teach it in our, in our workshops, and maybe I'll do a whole podcast just on rapport, perhaps. I think that could be uh, probably a useful one. Okay. Um, maybe we'll do it on the YouTube channel or something. So when we look at rapport from an NLP perspective, it's mirroring and matching. It's matching body language, tonality, physiology, facial expression, breathing, even words and keywords and things like that. So that can be done authentically, like Jeremy and I are doing it right now. And if you're, if you're listening to this on audio, you know, we're both leaning in on the podcast table. He's got his arm out with his hand. And I got, it's so funny, I got my arm forward by the computer and I have my other arm like on mine too. So we're yeah. both having the same posture and kind of the same look on our face. And it's not because he's trying to match me to manipulate me or vice versa. It's just because we're in rapport right now because we're recording. And so we end up, it's just more comfortable to sit like each other. So rapport is a piece of the first step. But the bigger part is to gain trust and to build trust. And here's the truth. There's no shortcut for trust. You can't manipulate your way into it. You can't pretend to be their friend and not really give a darn. Like you have to actually care. You have to to care who they are. And what we talk about in NLP is um, being concerned for their model of the world or 
entering their model of the world. And that means the, the bubble, every, we all live in a bubble, and the bubble that that person lives in, same bubble you live in, well, they're different bubbles, but we each live in a bubble. And sometimes it feels like they're way out there because they, they want X, and, and what's really important to them is something totally different than what's important to me. I love really cool, fast, good-looking cars. They just care about miles per gallon and cheap efficiency. And I'm like, man, you're an idiot. Like, it, But here's the thing. I don't live like on earth and they're living in some bubble. The truth is we all have our bubbles. So the first thing you have to do as a good salesperson is get out of your own bubble and enter theirs. Enter into their bubble of their model of the world. How do they think? What's important to them? Why is this person living the life the way they are? Good, bad, or indifferent? Like there's a reason why they're choosing to do and say and believe the things they're choosing to do, say, and believe, right? So... If you can really enter into that, right? If, if somebody is going car shopping and they're looking for miles per gallon and prices more important than anything and they don't care what it looks like and you think, oh, that's dumb because I think I, I care what my car looks like. You have to enter their bubble and think, okay, why do they believe that? Well, they grew up in a, in a way where maybe, you know, mom and dad talked about money and, and the checkbook and, and how there wasn't enough or maybe there was always enough but they wanted to steward it really well and, and, and they have a bunch in savings but they want to send their kids to college. You know, I don't know what it is. But try to enter the model of the world. Is it a sacrificial model? Is it a um, um, self-indulging model? Is it a, a practical model? Is it a ego-driven model? You know, like where, who are they, and why, and where, what's driving them? Where are they living? Right? Easy for me to say all that. So if you enter into that, you can begin to gain trust. So you build rapport, you match in your mirror the posture, the physiology, even the energy they have is really good. Um, if somebody's coming in like really like hot and heavy and fast moving and you're sitting back against the wall, hey, how's it going? They're going to lose interest and they're not gonna, you're not going to have a rapport with them. And here's the secret is if you don't get step one done, you can't move on. If you try to move on too early, you're, like, you're screwed. You're, it's not going to work. The whole sales conversation, they're going to be searching unconsciously for rapport and trust, and they won't find it because you didn't build it in the first place. So if you did, I mean, some, man, you can sit with someone for an hour, and if you did nothing but build rapport with them, job well done. And then the last five minutes, you go, hey, what do you think about this coffee mug? And they're like, you know what? I like that. Oh, we have them for sale if you want. All right, I'll take two. Like, you don't have to sell the coffee mug for six hours. You know, you can just build rapport. So... Um, Make sure you really, really build rapport. If you want to, oh, by the way, you can go to uh, to our YouTube channel. Um, what is it now? Hopefully, it'll soon it'll be YouTube slash Matt Browning. I think right now it's uh, YouTube.com slash Education for Life. Um, or you can go to EvolutionSeminars.com to the main site and go down to social media, click YouTube. Um, either way, if you search YouTube for Matt Browning and rapport, you'll find uh, some demos where I teach rapport. So if that's interesting to you and you want to see the process done a little bit as a demonstration, um, that might help you out. All right, so once you really have rapport and trust, number two is you got to ask really good questions. And notice I didn't say give a great presentation. <laughs> this is like the, the last thing I care about is telling you about the features and benefits of my cup. I'm going to use my Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin mug here. Hang on. I'm drinking my green tea this afternoon. It says Austin 316 on it. This is if, if you're listening on, on, the, on your phone. But on the video, you can see this. It's got my Stone Cold uh, skull on it. It's an exercise mug. It's a little taller. I love it because if you put a Keurig cup of coffee in it and some cream, there's still room. It doesn't splash. No, it's a big deal, Jeremy. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, you know all the other mugs we have out there in the mm -hmm. kitchen, like they're the regular small-size mugs? And have you ever tried that? You fill up a cup of coffee, and then you try to pour some creamer into it. You're I know overflowing. you're already <laughs> making fun of me for drinking cream. But like... 
Yeah, then it fills up. So I look at this mug and think, man, there's a lot of extra features and benefits in this thing. It's really cool. One of my favorite wrestling heroes. There's extra room. But if I'm a salesperson and I'm busy, man, I always an excuse to talk about wrestling. But if I'm a salesperson and, and I'm trying to sell my Stone Cold Steve Austin mug, the last thing I want to do when I'm sitting across from you, and I'll, Jeremy, I'm probably going to use you a few different times. Sure. Um, the last thing I want to do is try to tell you about my mug. So step number two is ask Jeremy questions, right, related to the client. So Jeremy, what's your favorite, like, do you drink anything, like, throughout the day outside of water? Like, what are your favorite beverages to drink? I enjoy tea. You're, you're a tea guy? Yeah, I do enjoy awesome. tea. Yeah. Not so much that. coffee, but yeah, tea. Right? So I got the tea right here. Perfect. So what, and what kind of tea do you like? Ooh, we kind of talked about it last time. I, I do enjoy really? green tea, yeah. You like green tea too? I like green tea. Well, I'm glad I have mine. Yeah, right. right? And there's a vanilla chai uh, just in the really? kitchen area that's really good. Yeah. I didn't even see that. Yep. So you like green tea, vanilla chai? Yeah. And what kind of time of day do you like to drink your tea? Um, sometimes at night or sometimes to start the day. Yeah? Yeah. So kind of either way? Either way, Awesome. Yeah. And do you, ever, uh, do you ever use, like, I don't know, disposable mugs or do you use ceramic mugs or do you use a tumbler? Like, what, what do you drink your tea out of usually? Ooh, I have a special Einstein mug at home. Um, I also have one here at the office that's going to be the, the Mountains Are Calling. Yeah. Um, so I'll use one of those too. So I'll drink tea either at the office or at nice. home. Nice. I love, one of my favorite things in the world is drinking tea out of a mug. Mm. There's something like, I don't know, like, you know, you put your your hands around it, right, or whatever. It's like it's warm. It's nice. It's homey. It's an experience. It's an experience. Yeah. Yeah. Is that important to you to have, not just like to drink something, but to have it be and feel like something, like to be an experience? Yeah, because it is. It's a little bit more social, right? Like I may have a cup of tea with Natalie and just kind of just sit, watch some TV. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so good. So what did we just learn from Jeremy? Well, if I was busy trying to sell my mug, I I don't know. I'm like, oh, this is really big and it's awesome. I don't know. But what I do know now is he's a tea drinker. I know he likes vanilla chai and green tea. I know he'll drink it in the morning. He'll drink it in the evening. I know he likes it out of a mug. And most importantly, he wants, this is what I learned, he wants to have an experience, right? And he doesn't want just to have a beverage. He doesn't care if it's hot or cold or whatever necessarily. And you might think, well, sure, he wants the tea to be hot. And that might be true. But if I start selling, oh, this has a thermal coupler, uh, that's probably not a good thing for a mug. But, you know, this has like a thermal insulator thing on the mug and it keeps it warm. Jeremy's going to nod and go, oh, I guess that's good. But what I'm probably going to do with my sales conversation at this point is I'm going to talk about the experience of consuming a beverage, right? I'm going to talk about how important that is. And what you drink it, what you drink your beverage out of is everything for the experience. Don't you agree with that? 100%. All right. I mean, you want to be where you want to be, but so much of the experience comes from the container you drink it out of, right? That that moment, there's a ritual to that, right? Coffee drinkers are like that. You know, are they going to, you know, it has to be in glass. They have to stir it with a wood, not a metal uh, spoon. And like, I learned all this stuff from these coffee aficionados. So if I'm going to sell a mug to the coffee aficionado, I got to speak to the experience they want. For Jeremy, he wants a nice experience um, with a, you know, with a cup of tea with his girlfriend and like, and life's good, you know? So my point is this, I'm asking him questions. I'm speaking his language. I'm genuinely curious. I want to know what drives him, what, what, um, what gets him to, you know, drink a a cup of coffee or drink a cup of tea in this case. Now I realize we've used one metaphor, selling a mug, excuse me, but it doesn't matter if it's a, um, if he's, if I'm selling recreational vehicles or caps or shirts or whatever, same thing. I'm going to say, well, you know, what kind of, I don't know, what clothes do you like the most? What, what are you looking for? What's going on? If I'm a good salesperson, I'm not going to, have you ever gone into a clothing store 
and they walked over and said, oh, hi, just so you know, that rack over here is on sale. And then we have uh, we have jackets that are 25% off. And these are really cool because of blah, blah, blah. And you're like, okay, I'm here for underwear. And, and you have no idea why they're trying to sell you this stuff. But what if instead, have you been to a store where they walk up and they start asking you questions? What kind of style do you like? What are you looking for? Um, so we, you know, we have these things on sale, but you know, so I, I love that kind of t-shirt. Is that, do you wear a lot of those? Do you usually wear long sleeve, short sleeve? Um, do you like designs? Do you like it loose? To, you know, like, what are you, what are you looking for? Who are you? What drives you? So don't worry about the questions. The funny thing is most people don't get a chance to talk enough in life. So if you just ask them questions and shut up, Believe it or not, most people will actually answer questions and tell you even more, right? They'll start telling you a story or tell you something. And most often, our job is just to stop talking and just listen. That's what's so important. Um, so that's the question piece. There's a lot you can discover through asking questions. One of them is, um, you know, you can discover some of their, their buying strategies. You can discover how their mind works. You could ask questions about previous things they bought. You know, one of my favorite things that I teach in NLP is, is sales strategy, um, where I ask something like, oh, I love that cap. Did you buy that for yourself? Yeah. Yeah? You did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I nice. Did. Okay. So he's got a baseball cap on. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, so like, what, 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 what drove you to buy that cap? Like, what was it about it that, that stuck out to you? What's behind it? <clears throat> so it's, um, it's called Parks Project. Oh. So I got it at REI. And okay. the reason is, is that um, it's all about leaving no trace. So leave it better than you found it. So it's mm. kind of the cause behind it. Um, and it had like a little special rack and I was looking for a new hat and I was like, I could totally yeah. back that because it's what I support in a sense, right? That's really cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of hats that might have been a different color, right? different logo, a cool look, whatever. But what did I just learn about Jeremy? Part of his strategy is I needed a hat, so he was motivated. Right. But when he looked, he saw something that was connected to a cause and he goes, I like that. I like Leave No Trace, so I'll get their hat. Right. Not, I'm going to get that hat and oh, I like that it also is a contribution thing. So... What, again, if you have now, I know something more about you, right? So when I come to connecting my product to, which is step four, we'll get there later. But when I connect my product to your need, do you think I'm probably going to look to the area of my product that is a supportive or give back or something, right? If I'm talking about our our seminars, I'm not going to say so. NLP is amazing, and you should do it, and blah blah blah. You know, somewhere along the lines where I talk about it, I might say, and you know what's really cool is one of the things I believe is if we're going to be training and teaching people how to have a better life and and learning NLP and getting certified as a coach and so forth, that can really help with that. But one of my favorite things that we do is we partner with the Burn Institute down in San Diego. So shout out to the Burn Institute. And they put on these summer camps um, all about taking burn survivors that are children, right, age I think it's eight or seven or eight to 18 years old, and they put them through summer camp. And uh, it's called Beyond the Scars Summer Camp. Really, really cool project. And it's just neat because for me, like when we're educating mostly adults in our seminars, we take a portion of all of that. um, And we even do one event that you should totally go to. We do one event called Venture Every Year. It's a big uh, entrepreneur's conference. And we discount our tickets down to 100 bucks. And then they're 100% donated, even the $100 is donated to the Burn Institute. So I think it's important that whatever you do, you should know what you're connected to, and there should be a massive give back a reason for it. So everyone who goes to venture knows why they're there. They're there, part of their ticket, help to send a kid fully sponsored to go to Burn Camp and just be a kid again and forget you know, what they've been through. So maybe that came out, I don't know, that was just spur of the moment I said that. So I don't know how perfectly that came out or not. But my point is, if I'm going to talk to Jeremy 
about our seminars, I'm for sure going to talk about the aspect of how we charity, we partner with the charity, the Burn Institute. And now Jeremy's like, dang, that's really cool. Mm. Right. And, and if you can't see his face right now, like he's genuinely, I, I feel like, right. When, like yeah. when we talked about partnering the Burn Institute at, at the beginning of the year, you were on board. All for it. Right. Yeah. Like kinesthetically, like, yeah, that's awesome. And you can feel that someone like Jeremy, part of what drives him is wanting to contribute and, and be part of something that makes a difference. So, again, the point is I'm going to talk mostly about my product and service in the aspect of how it makes a difference. Now, there's more than just that for Jeremy. If he's going to spend money on something, there also maybe the hat had to feel good. Right. Maybe it had to fit right. It had to look nice and so forth. So criteria. You can, yeah. And what? There was a criteria to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The criteria was important. Totally. Um, so you can start asking questions and get what their criteria or their values of what's important to them. And you can get them a different in, in the order they're important too. So here's one of the one of the tricks of questions I ask. So I'll ask for values. And again, let's just say you're a printer salesman. You can literally say to somebody, so what's important to you about picking out a new printer? And you just ask. Salespeople, please listen to this part. <laughs> you will be shocked. Nobody feels like you're manipulating them. Nobody feels sold to. You'll be shocked at how happy people are to answer you when you just say, so what's important to you about buying a car? I want to serve you. What's important to you? And they're like, oh, my gosh, you actually care about me? And they will tell you. And what they're, and then when they give you an answer, say, awesome. So, okay, that makes sense. So you really you want great Wi-Fi and you want to connect from any device. What else is really important for a printer? Well, reliable. Okay, and what else is important? Well, it's got to be the right price. What you just found out was their top three criteria for buying. You found out they want um, accessibility with Wi-Fi. Um, what was the other one I said? Oh, you Affordable. want? Oh, that was the third one. Uh, great quality, right? Right. So you have Wi-Fi, you got quality, and then you have affordable price. So what am I going to do as a salesperson? I'm not going to say, well, this one's on sale. That was their third value out of three. So instead, I'm going to walk over and say, oh, let me show you some of our best Wi-Fi connecting, super easy to use printers. These are the cutting edge ones that can print through any device you want. Now, of these, there's a few different brands. This brand in particular, whatever it is, I, I have a lot of HP in the office and at home, so I'll just use that. So, you know, the HP brand, you know, they have some of the highest quality ratings. They work really well. Now, if you look at these few different HP, this one is on the lower end. You probably don't necessarily want that. But this one here is just a little bit more, but it's really, really good bang for the buck. It's a great quality for a great price. Like, if that was somebody's criteria in that order, how are you going to feel, right, about that printer? You'd probably, at that point, you're like, oh, that's perfect. But how often do we not get that? How often do we look for a printer and someone goes, well, these ones print, you know, air printing and, and these ones over here are inkjet and those ones are laser. And I'm like, seriously, it's 2018. I still don't know what the heck the difference is between inkjet and laser. Like, I, I don't know why I want one or the other. So when somebody tries to tell me, <laughs> right, well, this one's inkjet, this one, who cares? I want to like, ask me what's important to me about printing. I will tell you, and then you help me find the printer that meets those needs, you are done, son. That is all you need. So number two is questions, questions, questions. I hope I harped on that long enough. All right, let's move to number three. We're getting moving on here. Number three is establish a need. So when, once you ask enough questions, you'll, you're, you're going to establish an either ask or explain. Like Sometimes I'll present what I think the need is to the person. So I, I've, I've asked a lot of questions around the problem solution area of my product or service, and I'm starting to get the idea of what they're looking for. So I might say, you know, it sounds to me like what you're really looking for is, you know, when you're drinking tea, you always want a great experience. You want to really enjoy the moment. And 
Um, and I, you know, and, and that's it. You want to enjoy the moment. So to me, one of the best ways to have a great experience is the cup you're drinking out of. Like it should be nice. It should be safe. It should be something you actually like to read or look at, you know, maybe, you know, it's something that, that almost helps to anchor in you two sitting together and enjoying a cup of tea. Right. And does that make sense to you? Definitely. Right. And, and that's what you want to ask, you know, to the client. Does that make sense to you? Do you see value in that? Um, are we on the right track? Right. You, would you agree with that? You don't need to be fancy and say, you'd agree with that, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to do that. You can just ask them if that if they're tracking with you. I would much rather get a client to tell me, no, I don't have a need, than maybe I will follow up with me. So believe it or not, this is actually the first point that you should be pressing them for a yes or a no. You don't need to press them for a yes or a no to buy, but you want to press for a yes or no that they do, in fact, have a need for this type of thing, right? So do you see a, a need or do you see value in maybe owning you know, some really cool tea mugs? Do you see value in owning a new hat? Do you see value, right? D would it make sense to look at one of these printers? And I want the person to go, yeah, absolutely. At that point, you're looking for a congruent yes, that at least they have a need or at least they see the value in, in the type of product or type of service, especially if they didn't come looking. Like for the printer guy, if I walked into Staples and I'm looking at printers and asking about printers, that's kind of different. Whereas in my industry, if you, you know, if I came to someone's seminar or event and I heard them talk and then they offer, they talked about a seminar um, or coaching or something, and they said, yeah, come sit down and talk to me one-on-one -on -one and we'll see if we're a good fit. Well, during that conversation, hopefully they're going to get rapport. They're going to ask me questions and then they're going to establish a need. So in fact, here's a, a great example. So I just bought a, um, a mobile marketing solution uh, yesterday or the day before? Yeah. Was it yesterday? Uh, yeah, you yeah. mentioned yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was. So Wednesday, um, I'm, have, I'm having this conversation. And great guy, tremendous salesperson, asked a ton of questions, um, kept asking questions. I told him all about the business. And he said, okay, I see that. Oh, oh, so you market this way. Okay, great. And then he helped to establish need. And he said, would you see value in getting your open rates to increase, you know, three or four times or 10 times? I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Or he said, would you see value in being able to get more uh, when you're following up with people that have registered for an event? And we do that through email. He said, would you see value in being able to combine and get a really good mobile reminder along with an email reminder? Like, would that increase your show rates? And I was like, actually, yeah, it would. So what's happening is he's establishing a need that for me, this makes sense. I do, in fact, need this product. Um, it's going to help my business. And I saw two major areas where it was really going to increase business. So at that point, he said, is this something that seems valuable to you? And I was like, absolutely. So the fourth step, if you haven't done it already, the fourth step is now you link it to your product or service. So in some cases, some cases when we're, when we're selling, we've, they already know what the product or service is and we've been doing it. Right? We've already been talking about it, but we're trying to talk about their needs more, asking questions more. And then we finally bring it back over to how the product or service we have can help to fill those needs. It can help to solve those problems. Sometimes, though, maybe you're, having, you're in a networking group. And um, let me give you this example. Right, So you're in a networking group. How many times have, have we been to a networking group and some bozo walks up and says, hey, how are you? You know, so I work at this thing and I do this. Or you make the mistake of saying, oh, hi, I'm Matt. What do you do? 
And he's like, I'll tell you what I do. I help business owners like you to blah, 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 blah. And he goes and does this elevator pitch and starts selling you this product. And you're like, oh, God, I'm sorry. I asked. If you go to networking events, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a salesperson, quit trying to sell your stuff. Just stop it. Go to a networking event to actually meet people. And when you talk to them, you say, what's going on for you? What do you love? What's happened in your life? What was the last vacation you went on and why? Ask good questions that produce conversation, right? That produce relationship, that produce rapport. Rapport, And when you're talking about that, later on at some point, you might say, well, what do you do? You know, or what are you looking for? And like, what's one of your biggest things you're looking for to to solve? If I'm a life coach, I'm going to ask questions like that. Um, And I say, well, you know, one of the things I'm really focused on. Oh, here's a great question. What's, What's an area that you're really focused on, like making massive improvement on for this year? Like what's an area in life or in business that you're really focused on improving right now? And I, I like that because even if I'm not selling something, it, it gets a good conversation going, right? Because someone goes, well, you know, honestly, like this year is the year of health for me. And you could have been busy trying to sell them some marketing solution, but the whole time they're focused on health. So if you can tie in health into your, your product or service, golden. Now, how would you do that, you would ask? Like, how would you do that if you're selling a business product, like the mobile marketing solution I just bought? Well, what if I said my number one thing is health right now, and that's all I care about? He's going to ask questions, hopefully, about that. And then I might ask, he might ask something like, so how many hours of work uh, a week do you think you're working right now? Would you like to work less? You know, would you be able like, and here's what I see is a lot of entrepreneurs are driving themselves into the ground in their health. They're not working out. They're not having time for meal prep. They're not, they're not feeling healthy and living the lifestyle they want because of how much they're working and because the way they're working is sometimes inefficient and they don't know it. And I'm now he's got me hooked. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And then he says, can I offer you a suggestion? And this is step four, the linking the value, the need to the value or the need to the product or service. He might say, can I offer you a suggestion? I'll say, of course. And he said, you know, one of the things I see that entrepreneurs struggle with the most with wasting their time is an inefficient marketing, and they're putting too much extra time on marketing. And here's what I mean. And then he could actually, he could start talking all about mobile marketing and how the, sh- the open rates are 94% instead of 15%, and he can talk about all these things that basically make me do less work with better results. At this point... My motivation and my need, he established, he built rapport, he asked questions, and he discovered my need was health. Now he's going to link my need for health to better marketing so I can have more time to devote to my body and, and, and my physical fitness. Making sense so far? Right? Yeah. Okay. Jeremy, do you think, did, am I going too far off basis? or No, spot on. Okay, good. All right. Sometimes I don't know. I, I ramble a little bit. And well, you know what? If you're a fan of the podcast, then you know that I ramble, and that's how we do this. <laughs> so... Um, that's that's the last part, right? Or the, the last part of step four is to, if it's not already obvious, link their need to your product service. And the last example, linking the need for better health to the product of mobile marketing for your business. And I explained to you how that connects. Now, it might be, hey, I have a need to print stuff more efficiently. So let me link that to this particular HP printer that prints really, really fast and it's affordable. So that's a more obvious connection. But I just want to make sure you really get that it doesn't have to be perfectly obvious. Just because I'm in there looking for something, I'm talking to a mobile marketing person, doesn't mean my need is about mobile marketing or even marketing for that matter. It could be something else. So really think hard. If you haven't already, consider your product, your service, your business. What else can it do for people? 
what other effect, if you, if you look at the ripple effect of, of them working with you, what else does it affect in their life, in their family life, at home, with their health, relationships, money, time, um, their team? You know, there's so much more than just the, the thing that you do very often. So really think that through. Um, and the cool thing is, too, is this. In my, in my health marketing uh, metaphor there, or example, um, once he's done that once, now do you think he has a pretty good idea that anytime anyone ever is struggling with health, or maybe he meets an entrepreneur that's overweight, or you know something, right? That it, maybe it's obvious that they might struggle with health. He could say, "Can I ask you a question?" Sure. How do you do? You ever find yourself struggling to take care of your business, but also take care of your health? And then the person's eyes get wide and go, "How did you know?" I was like, "Well, because you're overweight and you're eating three hot dogs right now." But but you know it was it was a guess, right? And but the person's like, "Oh my gosh!" So now he already has in the bag the conversation, what it would be like to talk to someone with an obvious need, and then he already knows how to link it because he's done it before. So once you once you link a need to to your product or service, hang on to that because there's a good chance. Again, you don't want to store them canned like scripts. But hang on to that solution or that conversation because you might need to dip into it again. You might have a scenario where that exact same thing shows up. All right, and the last piece. Once you've linked it to your need and your value, again, I want to reiterate, this has to be a conversation. This cannot be a step-by-step bullet point of script. That's why it's five steps. It's not a, a, a script, right, for sales. Totally. Um, Jeremy, you were saying that before we turned mm-hmm. the mics on. You were talking about, we were talking about scripts mm-hmm. and just how like, it's not a script. Right, yeah. So many people go into a sales conversation um, thinking that it's going to be the same way each and every time. And we find that a lot in NLP. So in a sales conversation, um, as long as you know the five steps and you know the structure to that, then essentially the content you can be flexible with, um, but it's really getting into the structure rather than having a scripting for it is what essentially what I was saying. Right. So focusing on the structure of it. So like it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what the words are necessarily or even the content, what we're talking about, but it's be thinking in your head, where am I in these five steps? Right. Have I already established enough rapport? And again, if you find yourself talking about your product, if they're already asking all these questions, but you just step back outside of your body for a second and look at the situation. Are you actually in trust and rapport with the person? And if you're not, stop with like the, the, the drilling questions and just step back and just match a mirror a little bit Ask them a little more questions about themselves, about what they're really wanting in life, uh, what's important to them, just simple things. Once you have that first step met, you know you moved on to step two. So now you're going to be establishing the need and really going that direction. Once you, or sorry, um, um, asking good questions. And through asking questions, you'll eventually establish the need for your product by linking, again, talking about the problem or, or the need based on what they talked about. Then step four, and again, step three and step four can sometimes happen almost at the same time. You establish the need, and then you're linking it to your product. You can do that simultaneously, or you can do it one after the other. It depends on the scenario. But again, just like Jeremy said, it's it's structure, right? It's following the keys. So once you've really linked it, you say, so if if I've done my job and we're in great rapport, that means we can talk and have a good conversation. If I've really asked questions, I know a lot about you now. If I've really established a need, that means you feel this this need, this problem you have should be solved, and you really do have that need, and you feel that. Um, and I've really linked that this product, this service, will fill that need, will solve that problem. If you really get that, and I've done my job, 
conversing, right, to connect that, step five is easy. Ask for the order. Step five is now give the options, right? And it can be as simple as, so, you know, how do you feel about this mug? Do you feel like this is something you'd want to buy? Right? Okay, great. And then if you want to say, you know, hey, we have specials for it. So in the close, there's a lot of nuance. And and again, if you if you like this conversation and we should go deeper on it, um, feel free, again, chime in on social media, put a comment on, on, I don't know if you can do it on the episode or in the reviews or something, um, but hit me up, right? Go on Facebook, at Matt Browning, um, comment or, or private message me. I love getting that stuff, so let's definitely interact. But go on there and and let me know if you want me to go deeper into like the different closes. Because again, there's, um, you know, how, how do you position a sale? Do you use scarcity? Um, have you ever seen like, you know, um, bottles of wine are on sale for $9.99, limit three? You know, when do you use that and when don't you? So there's a lot of nuance with the close. The important thing for this week is I want you to get that don't worry and be scared about asking for a close. At some point, again, if you've gotten consistent yeses, if you've walked through this conversation and progressed through the steps without skipping any, it should be an obvious thing. And the reality is this. If you haven't gotten yeses along the way, if you haven't actually hit the steps, you shouldn't ever be at step five. So it should never again feel awkward to ask for a close when you're not ready for it. Every time you're genuinely at step five, like they should be at the point where if you didn't offer them the product and you said, well, okay, it was great talking to you, you know, just, you know, let me know and think it over. They should get a pit in their stomach and go, wait, wait, but how much is it? Wait, hang on. Well, can't can't I get it right now? Can't, can't I buy this? And I know I felt like that. You know, I've walked, I've almost walked out of a lot of places with that pit of, they were so easy with it. I had the need. I had it linked. I'm ready to go. I'm excited about, you know, buying something. And the person's like, okay, well, you know, think about it and just, you know, come back anytime. And I'm like, wait, why would you send me away? You're, that's, you're a bad person, <laughs> you know? Um, so please don't freak out about asking someone for a close. You just go, great. Well, hey, if the, you know, I'll say something like, if this makes sense, um, do you want to go ahead and sign up for it? And they should go, yeah, okay, that sounds great. I've said that plenty of times in my life. You probably have too. Um, so really consider asking for the order. Um, so, so important. Ask for the order. Ask for the sale. Um, if you want to put it on sale, you can say, so, you know, um, can I make a suggestion? Or, okay, great. So it sounds like this is something you're really looking for and you really want to solve this. And, man, I'm excited to help you. Um, would it be okay if I shared kind of how to start with it? Or would you like to hear a little bit about or do you want to know about the sale price for the coffee mug? You know? Um, now, just so you know, I don't know if you realize, but that hat's on sale right now. It's normally 25 It's only nineteen ninety-five, and uh, And if you pick it up today, you get a special sticker for your car. Yay. Right. Um, and anyway, like I said, I, I haven't prepared this week for getting into like the different closes. And I keep feeling like maybe I will. I've said it three times now. So yep. give me feedback. But either way, I'm probably going to do it. Um, and, and we'll break down like maybe a few different types of closes. But for now, consider step five, ask for the sale. Have a form ready. As I always say to my seminar, uh, my, the people we mentor in our programs, I say, I, I have a, a form in your back pocket. Right. I always pretend. <laughs> and sometimes I actually do. Like I'll walk. It's they always seem like wherever I am, I always have a form with me. You know, because I'll be having a conversation in the hallway outside the bathrooms, and someone said, "Well, yeah, you know, I did. I heard your offer yesterday, and gosh, I'm just a little concerned about X, Y, Z." And I go, "Oh, tell me about that." And I, 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 I literally go back to building rapport, asking questions. I get a new need from them, 
I link that need to how our mentoring group can help to fix that. And then at that point, I go, I mean, does this make sense to you? And they go, yeah, actually, that would really help a ton. And then I go, okay, great. Do you want to go over the program again? And I pull out a form in my back pocket. And I'm like, here you go. <laughs> and, uh, and But it, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek where I'm trying to explain, like, you always got to have it ready. Because you never know when someone's going to be motivated and excited and they actually want to work with you at that point. So whenever they do, be ready for it. So hope that helps. That is the five-step sales process from an NLP perspective. Establish rapport, ask good questions, establish the need or the problem, link the need or problem to your product or service, and then when you do that, ask for the close. Simple as can be, but I hope I I gave you some spin, some nuance, um, some examples that maybe made this make sense at a deeper level. And again, if you're brand new into sales, um, get out there and crush it. Try this out. Just do it. You don't need scripts. You don't need special NLP wording and 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 conditional closes and, and blue or black pens and all that kind of stuff. Get get out of your mind that you have to manipulate, manipulate, and get into your mind. You got to serve. As long as you come ready to serve, you're gonna crush it and do really really well for yourself and all the people around you. So God bless. Have an awesome time. Man, dude, that was a fun conversation. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought uh, I, th- I thought we pulled out kind of a lot of gems, um, a lot of examples that you might re- you know came off the cuff. Um, so forgive me if I, I was I was making up ideas and scenarios in my mind as we were talking about it. So I hope it all made sense to you. Um, certainly hope it was valuable and it was use, uh, useful for your time. I know we went a little bit long on that one. That was uh, just about forty minutes for the main content. Um, so if you're listening on the drive to work, uh, that's probably a, a back and forth to work thing, you know, 20 minutes there, 20 minutes back. Um, so I hope that was good. We're going to keep on with the theme and next week or the week after we will be doing part three, which is handling objections. So when everything doesn't go exactly how it's supposed to, and you get in the middle of your five steps and they go, yeah, but the thing is, I don't have the money for that. So I'd love it, but I can't because we're going to talk all about exactly what to do with those, how to have an authentic conversation around objections and not handle objections, but how do, you, how do you have a conversation about it? And how do you help people to move through them in an empowered way, in a servant way? So we'll talk all about that in episode three or part three of our sales episodes. All right, that's it for us this week. I hope you had an awesome week so far. Um, I, you're probably listening to this on Friday or over the weekend. So get ready, prep yourself, hit Monday with the ground, on the ground running, hitting hard uh, and doing something to make your business shine, to make your life shine. And I, again, I hope this helped. Make sure you follow us at Matt Browning on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find me there. Um, however you're listening to this, I thank you again for the download, for the subscribe, for the stream. Um, there's all different platforms. You know, we're on Stitcher. We're on uh, Google Play. We're on, uh, I was going to say Spotify, not Spotify. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. iTunes. Yeah. iTunes is the big one. And if I can please ask you before we hang up, don't, don't end the podcast yet. Don't do it yet. Just wait <laughs> 15 seconds, please. If you haven't subscribed already, it helps us out so much. Head to iTunes especially, subscribe, and then rate and review. If you just hit a five-star rating or whatever star you deem necessary, but you know, hit a five-star rating and then go down a little bit on your phone and hit write a review, it'll take you 10 seconds and it'll boost us so much and help tremendously to get the word out. Um, the more we can expand uh, the reach of the podcast, we're going to start bringing on more guests on our Thursday episode. So I'm going to be look, really looking for some founders and entrepreneurs to interview. And I'm going to be interviewing to get their origin stories. 
and really what's driving them behind. That's the purpose-driven entrepreneur. I want to help us together find out what's driving these great minds and great people. Some of them you'll heard, but, uh, have heard of before. Some of them you probably have never heard of, um, but you should because they're awesome. So we're going to have all sorts of people coming on for that. We're going to continue, of course, every Monday. I'm live on Facebook. Um, go to at Matt Browning, and we'll be live on Facebook doing our bonus Mondays with Matt episode sometime Monday. Make sure you like and follow the page so you'll get updates whenever I'm popping up online, and you can actually participate in the Monday episode. All right, that's it for us right now. Jeremy, we are out. Um, have an awesome weekend, and be awesome as an entrepreneur. See ya.